Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the table at a dance competition? Exactly what are the judges looking for anyway? This is Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast. Each week, we'll cover a different topic related to the world of competitive dance from the perspective of the judges behind the table. Being a swing or an understudy is not a skill that's usually taught in a dance studio setting, but maybe it should be. Today on Making the Impact, we're joined by former competitive dancers turned professional dancers, Miranda Quinn and Brittany Nicholas, who give us the inside scoop on what it's like to be a swing and an understudy. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Making the Impact. I'm your host, Courtney Ortiz, and I'm here, like always, with my fabulous co-host, Leslie Mueller. We're back for another week of great podcasting, Court. And it's November! Can you believe it? I literally can't. We're going to maybe not think about that so much because November just means then December, then January. It just all keeps coming. (laughs) But it also means that competition season is getting closer. (laughs) Right around the corner. I hope everybody is ready. I hope everybody has been listening to all our episodes in preparation. Um, And this one today might, might just be helpful for some people as they move into competition season. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I think this is um, an episode that is going to be extremely helpful for any dancer who plans to pursue a professional career on any side of the industry, professional performance career. But I also think this is going to be an eye-opening episode for a lot of Broadway lovers and Mm -hmm. a lot of studios and teachers who want to prepare their dancers for the professional world because you're going to hear all about what it takes to be a swing and an understudy. And that might be something that you already incorporate into your studio training. Maybe you have understudies ready to go if someone gets injured for a competition dance. But there is so much more that goes into it, especially when you become a professional. And I think that for teachers to hear, you know, how intense it is as a professional dancer being a swing on Broadway or in concert dance, maybe you can start incorporating more ways into the studio training to prep your dancers better for the real world. Yes. So get ready, folks. We are about to dive into an amazing conversation. But before we do, let's hear from our Season 5 sponsors. Our Season 5 premier sponsor, Francisco Gala Danceworks, offers some exceptional training opportunities for dancers throughout the year. If you're seeking an intensive to attend over Labor Day weekend before you head back to your dance season, then check out Francisco Gala Danceworks Pre-Professional Dancer Institute. Taking place in beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico from August 29th through September 2nd, 2024, this intensive provides knowledge to dancers to better aid them in the transition after high school graduation. This is especially recommended for dancers considering college or secondary training programs. Throughout the five-day intensive, dancers will learn all about different programs for post-graduation, how to build a resume, create audition submissions, apply for scholarships, and so much more. And of course, there will be lots of dancing involved with classes that are curated towards a typical college dance curriculum to allow dancers to understand what will be expected of them in a college dance program. Parents are also welcome to observe select classes and workshops throughout the event to better help their dancers' journey on the best path for their future. This intensive is open to advanced dancers ages 13 through 18. Mark your calendars and join Francisco Gella and faculty at this wonderful summer dance workshop. Learn more about the program and what is offered by visiting their website, at preprodancerinstitute.com and use our exclusive podcast promo code making the impact at checkout for $75 off your registration. Thank you to Francisco Gela Danceworks for being our season five premier sponsor. All right, Dance World, we are here today on Making the Impact to talk about swinging and understudying. 
It's something maybe it might be a new word for y'all in the dance world. What what does it mean to be a swing in a show, in a musical? What does it mean to be the understudy in a dance company? We're going to learn all about that today. I can't wait to talk about it because it's something that I've just recently added to my resume and I've had I've dabbled in it here and there throughout my professional career, but it is a whole new beast to become a swing or an understudy. And I they are crucial and a crucial part of every show, whether you are in a dance company, whether you are in a professional tour, a Broadway show, whatever it is, we need those swings and understudies, y'all. They help make the show stay afloat. And I can't wait to chat with our two special guests who are joining us, brand new guests to our podcast. And the very first guest who is going to be bringing the company and concert side of the discussion to the table here is someone I have known her entire life. I remember the day that she walked into our dance studio, and I have watched her grow over the years, for so many years, into an absolutely breathtaking, stunning dancer. I had the opportunity to go watch her perform live with the prestigious Alvin Ailey Company in New York City at City Center two years ago, and it was such a dream come true to see her up there on that stage. I'm so proud of all that she's accomplished, and she is the daughter of my dance studio owner who taught me everything I know, and I love her so, so, so much. I'm excited to welcome Miranda Quinn to the podcast. Welcome, Miranda. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to learn about the Broadway side of swinging because I don't know much about that. Yes, and you never know, Randy. One day you might be on Broadway. One day, maybe. (laughs) Um, I'm so happy that you are here and I'm so proud of everything that you've accomplished in your beautiful dance career that is still just kicking off. I know that you recently graduated and you're going to tell us all about that, but I just want to let you know that you inspire me and I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) So Miranda, if you wouldn't mind telling all of the listeners out there a little bit more about you, where you grew up, what your childhood training was like. If you want to share any career credits, where you went to school, and what you're working on now. Of course. So, hey, everyone. I'm Miranda Quinn, and I grew up with Courtney in Baltimore, Maryland, dancing my entire life uh, from the moment I could walk. And uh, we both went to Mid-Atlantic Center for the Performing Arts. And I graduated from there uh, at the age of 18 and went to the Juilliard School for their dance division and had a really amazing journey there. All of the the good, the bad, the just crazy self-discovery and discovering so much about dance that we weren't necessarily exposed to at our home studio. So from there, I decided to stay in New York and I got lucky enough to graduate and start that same week at Albanelli American Dance Theater. Wow, that's awesome. And this is my fifth season with them. I, however, am currently injured, so that's a bit of a bummer, but it's really been amazing, and I hope to be there for many more years to come, so this is just a little bump in the road, but yeah, it's it's company life is everything that I was dreaming of for so long, and Ailey was not something that I was originally looking at as a prospective company, but it has turned out to be everything and more that I could have ever wanted and didn't know that I need. So yeah. I love that. I think what's so exciting about Ailey and and something that I actually like recently learned about Ailey, I think whenever someone thinks of the Ailey dance like the company, 
I I immediately think of Horton modern dance. Like that is what I think of a lateral T. <laughs> like that is what I think of. And I'm like, that is all you do. That's what I assume. That's all you do. But the Alvin Ailey Dance Company Dance Theater is so much more than just lateral T's and Horton. They are doing every style of dance, honestly. Like, I mean, do y'all maybe not tap? I don't know if you do y'all tap? They love to fake a timestamp. Okay. <laughs> you know choreographers love a fake timestamp. A little soft shoe moment. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, especially because it's there's a lot of our rep that's based around jazz music and jazz dance. So that, of course, is an element of that. But going back to the Horton part, I had only taken strictly Horton modern class. Uh, my senior year at Juilliard. So I really didn't have that much experience with the Horton technique and like having oh. to memorize all the things. Mm-hmm. But that really hasn't affected my ability to to dive into the company because a lot of our work is just, it, it's basically what we did growing up. Like you yeah. just have to be ready to switch from one genre to the next, mm. which I love. And yeah, it's just about finding the right style and the passion, but it doesn't really matter if you've had a certain training in a certain technique, Mm. which is very nice. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting to hear. And it actually made me think of Francisco Gella, who was on our podcast last year and talked about modern dance and that something similar happened to him. And I don't want to like misquote, but I feel like, and Leslie, I don't know if you remember, but he he trained in a specific style of modern at his college, Mm -hmm. but then got into a dance company that was a completely different style of modern. One of them was Limon. Yeah, one of them was Limon. I can't remember. I don't remember if it was, that was his beginning or his where he ended up, but yeah. But I thought it was so interesting because he was like, I was playing catch up. It was a whole new thing I had to figure out. And it's like, yes, but they saw something in you. They could tell that you would be able to adapt to this so easy and effortlessly, even though you only had one year of Horton under your belt, you know, for Ailey and knowing there's so much more to the Ailey company besides just Horton and that you're going to be doing this jazz and you're going to be doing contemporary, you're going to be doing other styles of modern. So yeah. And also I think that goes hand in hand with being an understudy because you have to be able to be like willing and have the training to jump around in different styles throughout the the rep in the company. Yeah. I mean, I think with any kind of performance career, being able to be multifaceted in and well-rounded in all of the techniques and all the training is super important. But then, as we all know, it goes so much further beyond just the technique. So yeah, yeah. And I can't wait to dive into this and hear all about your experience with the company. So thanks for joining us today. All right, our next special guest is one of my oldest friends, one of uh, my oldest dance friends in New York City as well. And someone who I have had the opportunity to watch her career blossom through the years. And when we said we were going to sit down and do a swing episode, I was like, we, I, I know, I know the perfect person, and there's no one else that can be on this episode because she is the ultimate swing in my eyes. Her entire career has been a swing, and she is the best swing. I still like, I cannot wait to hear all about the journey because every time she tells me about her adventures in swing land on Broadway, I get my, I start having heart palpitations <laughs> and sweating and stress because of what she goes through on the daily, and she does it with just so effortlessly and amazingly. The one, the only, the super swing, Miss Brittany Nicholas in the house. Hey, girl. (laughs) Hey, girl. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited that you could squeeze us in. I know that you are currently 
You are currently on Broadway as The Swing in the most popular show and Juliet. It is such a hot show. I loved it when I got to come see you in it. So shout out to uh, all your hard work over there and to all of our listeners. If you are in New York City, go see Brittany in and Juliet. Most likely she will be on. Even <laughs> though she's the swing, she will probably be on stage. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> she's not I, on stage tonight, say... though, because it's Monday. We caught not, you. We caught no, you on your one day Monday, off. <laughs> yes. On the one day off. But like speaking of swinging, last week we hit like four tracks within the week. Whew. Yeah, you were doing four <laughs> different people. Do you four even... different people's tracks. We're going to get into this, but like, do you forget... <laughs> who you are personally sometimes because I'd be like who even am I in my right. my personal life yeah <laughs> the, the, you know speaking of like we'll get into it later but there was one moment where like I like was in a transition and then like uh one of my castmates was like looking at me and I was looking at him and and then I was like oh sorry I forgot who I was we like were like face to face yeah we were, like the traffic pattern was supposed to happen and I was like my fault <laughs> <laughs> You're like, like, sorry, okay. I was I was woman two yesterday. Right. Now I'm woman yeah. four. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to make it even trickier, like we do two shows Wednesday, two shows Saturday. Mm. So all the other shows I was off. So these happened on the two oh. show Wednesday and the two Ooh. show Saturday. Wow. So you were a different like- person on, at the, the, the matinee versus mm-hmm. the evening. Mm-hmm. Holy moly. Girl, again, I'm already sweating. Like, I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> you are just such a pro. And please, please tell the world all about you, what your early dance training was like, and then all your fabulous swing credits that you've acquired through the years. Yes. Oh my God. I love it because I was a competition kid. So I grew up in Newport News, Virginia, started dancing at four, started competing at 10, was the child that like loved everything about dance. So that led to me just being in all the dances of the competition studio and you know, you do dance camp. So I would do dance camp and learn like 10 to 12 routines in one week, not realizing like, oh, actually, that might be where my swing training has come from, potentially. But yep. And then funny that we're talking about Alvin Ailey, my first like trip to New York, where I was like, oh, I think I want to stay here was I was 16. And I did the summer intensive of Alvin Ailey. Mm. Before that, I was doing a camp called destination broadway that was maybe like a week long yeah but this was a full summer and i was like wow everyone up here didn't know if i wanted to do broadway yet but i was like everyone up here loves to dance i love to dance we were all artists we were all coming from different places with this like one dream and like passion so that's when i was like okay maybe i can do new york I also love to sing. So I said, what can I do where I can dance and sing and act all in one? And I was actually found by a judge at StarQuest. And they said, you should maybe come to New York and wow. try musical theater. And I said, huh? <laughs> wow. I didn't sure. know that. Mm-hmm. And so I came up during my senior year of high school, very first audition was Greece. Oh, wow. Okay. When it was on Broadway. So that was my first audition. And believe it or not, I got a callback. So I had to switch my flight Mm. and went through a couple callback rounds, didn't get it. But that was maybe the first time where me and my parents were like, wait, maybe there's something here. We don't quite know. But yeah, started auditioning during my senior year and uh, got really far. I ended up booking the non-union tour of Hairspray. 
but could not go on it because I was not 18. Wow. Oh, I don't know. So that I was a whole I feel thing. like I forgot that. Notice? I feel like I knew yeah. that, but I forgot. I had literally like bought new suitcases. It was I had one semester left, so I loaded all my schoolwork on the computer. And oh my then God. they said, All right, because of the, you know, states we're going to, mm. she either needs to A, be emancipated, mm. B, have a Wrangler. Is there someone that can travel? It didn't really oh, work out. Geez. Wow. But that was when my parents were like, Okay, well she booked a job. Right. So She's talented. Maybe she can. <laughs> right. And so I asked them for one year between graduating high school and college. I said, can I just get one year to go to New York, try it out? If it doesn't work, I'll come back and go to school. But just give me one year. Came up, stayed with family, family, friends, hit the pavement hard. I was going to everything. Had no idea what a type was, mm-hmm. like any of that. I just had my little book of music with maybe two songs in it, all of my dance stuff, and just like, went to all of the auditions and then the year was up and hadn't booked anything. Mm. (laughs) My parents said, all right, it's time for you to come home. I said, fine. Got on the bus, cried all the way home because I thought that I had failed Mm -hmm. and got home, ended up getting one last regional theater gig. So in, in the middle of that year, I was doing regional equity gigs, but just not enough to be able to live on my own. Mm-hmm. So my parents were kind of like, what's happening here? But did one booked Fireside Theater. So that took me through the Christmas season. And then I had um, registered for community classes starting in January. And the day after I got home, I got an audition for Billy Elliot, the national tour for my agent, took the bus back up, went into the room, auditioned. It was very quick, maybe an hour, went home, said, all right, well, you know, that's great. Got a call a couple of days later saying, can you come to the finals? Mm-hmm. And I said, sure. Got back on came the bus. Came into the room. Got back on the bus. <laughs> You're right. Got back on the bus. Came all the way up to New York. Was in finals for, I swear it felt like an eight-hour day. It was just, it was me and all of the children. If you know, Billy Elliot is about, of course, like Billy, who's a young boy that wants to dance. So I was auditioning with all of the ballet girls, even mm-hmm. though I was an adult round after round after round after round finally made it to the end and they said if you get this could you move to chicago i said yes because you always say yes Mm -hmm. not thinking i was going to get it went on back home (laughs) yep after that i said cool great i I at least made it one last thing made it to the finals let's go do my little christmas gig let's go to college went to went to fireside and did my christmas gig we rehearsed for two weeks and then the day that i went to tech Got the call that I booked the first national tour of Billy Elliot as the swing. Had yes. no idea what a swing was at that point. Wow. Yes. And then I've just been swinging. Swinging <laughs> ever since. Ever since. <laughs> ever since. <laughs> yep. For all of the listeners, like, tell us the other shows that you've swung. So from there, actually, it all kind of connects to from there, that gave me my Broadway debut, mm-hmm. which we can get into later because that's a very wild swing story. <laughs> And then from there, I did Royal Caribbean, which Royal Caribbean was interesting because I did Mamma Mia, but of course, there was the aerial show called Blue Planet. So I actually became the aerial swing. They taught me how to fly, and I became the person that covered the aerialist. Eventually, that led to like being a principal aerialist throughout the, towards the middle of the contract because someone unfortunately got hurt. Mm. But then from there, I did Matilda the Musical as a swing. Mm-hmm. And then 
From there, I did Mean Girls, the original Broadway cast, as a swing. Mm -hmm. um, then the pandemic happened. Of course, you know, Broadway shut down. I went away and said, all right, let, let's find something else. And then here comes Anne Juliet into my lap when I'm sitting in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> and I went into that call. And that was the first call where Anne Juliet is interesting because it's a lot of commercial dancers. Mm -hmm. So I went into that audition and I was like, how did I get here like this is not my wheelhouse but you know again we train in everything mm -hmm. competition world so I said I'll do my best my little jazz baby freestyle best <laughs> and you know they were looking for like swing experience and everything because of course they needed swings and yep and the director also worked on Matilda which I swung in dance captain I didn't say a dance captain Matilda so he said great like, would you like to swing and dance captain this? So yeah, so every big, like, major project I've done has been swinging. And connected in each, mm -hmm. in, in, in a way. You knew someone and it led you to the next. It's, and that's the other yeah. thing. And then we can, we can just jump right in and start yeah. talking about this. But I feel like that the, something that's interesting, especially speaking in the Broadway world, because I'm sure we'll get into this, Miranda, I feel like that when you're in a company, Everyone's going to internally understudy the different rep at a point pending what it is versus when you're on Broadway, you are specifically hired to be the quote unquote swing and understudy. Both those terms are kind of different in the Broadway world because an understudy typically is covering a principal role and the swing is typically the, a, oftentimes pending on the type of show, a dancer, if it's a heavy dance show who can jump into multiple different ensemble tracks whenever someone is out. So I think that what I've found as I've watched my friends be swings through the years in the Broadway world is that once you're a swing, you're a swing because yeah. that is a skill that is very hard to do well, to teach, to become. And if they, if they see on your resume that you were successful at this and they can, and then the choreographer is going to be like, yeah, oh yeah. They were they were awesome. They would jump in and they would have no problem at all. Then that means you're reliable and more valuable. And that could be an advantage for you to get the job, another job and another job because they're you start like I in my brain, I'm like, oh, I know so many like fantastic swings where their entire career has been being a swing might not be for everybody might not be everyone's I know a lot of dancers who have swung they're like I absolutely hate this. I want nothing to do with this. I want to be back in my ensemble track on stage every day. Because for all of our listeners, if you're a swing or if you're an understudy, you aren't on stage. You are right. off stage. And that's something to remember. Yeah. Miranda, I want to hear a little bit about, so, you know, like we've said, it, there's a little bit of a difference in terms of uh, understudies and swings in the commercial world versus the Broadway world versus the contemporary modern world. So is, mm -hmm. first of all, since we really don't know, I really don't know, are swings a thing in your company or, or not? Yes and no. First, I didn't know that that differentiation differentiation existed in Broadway, so that's cool to know. <laughs> we, at least at Ailey, I mean, this is the only company I've ever been with, so I only know the Ailey culture and the Ailey way thus far, but we don't necessarily call people understudies, maybe covers, or but even that most of the time means that you're in either second or third cast. Oh, okay. And that pretty much guarantees that you're you will perform at some point in the season okay. because with the amount of rep that we have it's sort of like competition dance where it's like 
you know, we have 20 different mm -hmm. pieces that you have to know all at once. And we're doing a different combination of those 20 pieces. Every show, like no back-to-back -back show is the same. So there's no way for any one person to dance one piece of rep every time that it goes on. So pretty much everybody has to have that skill. But I do think that it's a bit of a, I want to say a seniority thing almost, where like the new dancers are usually the ones that have to learn the most and cover the most things. And if someone's hurt or we just need somebody to learn like two tracks in one piece, it's usually the, the newer dancers. And then as you get further along in your career there, you, you typically would, if you're doing well, <laughs> move up to like first cast of things. Okay. So you're not really covering a whole bunch of things because you're usually just on all the right. time and have to be ready to go on for the first time. I think as we go through, I want to like intersperse a few terminology lessons here because there's so many words we use in dance that I think a lot of people don't know. So Miranda, can you explain really quickly what a track is? Yes. So a track is like a uh, similar to a Broadway role or, you know, you are you are this specific person that this dance was uh, created on or this pulp, this part, mm -hmm. this role in the dance. So you follow that person the entire way or that track is made on mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. and somebody else can learn your track, meaning they will learn everything that you do in this piece. Now, I do have a question about that in the in the concert Broadway world. So you mentioned something about like having double casts. So so for some rep, there would be one cast that dances together and an entirely separate cast where e where a different person learned each person's track, but like they're not like like let's say if you were in cast 1, but then you got injured would the person who was you in, in cast two jump into your spot or would they just put that would that happen or yeah okay so yeah. so they could like interchange between the casts but each there's like it sounds like there might be like between one to two covers or understudies per track in certain rep yes actually we are a union company under agma so contractually we have to have two casts we have to have covers for everybody really? wow and it's definitely That's great needed because people start dropping like flies <laughs> right, on tour right wow just because of the rigor of it but then also there's uh depending on the choreographer sometimes we have pieces where the choreographer or wh whoever comes to set the piece doesn't want the casts to mix mm, uh-huh so you know they they might just leave that spot empty and we'll like kind of fudge it and really? figure out a way to just make it work oh, wow. but most of the time i would say at least 90 percent of the time that's not the case mm -hmm. and we can intermix or it's like a combination of you have a first cast and a second cast that are completely different people right. and then the third cast is a mix of those people uh, because some people had to learn two different roles wow or oh my gosh all, all right i'm getting well th you know what i will say and like let's jump over to like the britney side of things really quick in the broadway world because I'm not saying that, I don't know, just hearing that, it almost sounds a little bit not easier in any, in any way, but a little bit nicer to know, like, okay, I have somebody that's, that can be me. Right. And, you know, and I feel like in, in the Broadway world, there's like such a high expectation of there is one person <laughs> that needs to be eight Everybody. different people in a yeah, two-hour show. Like you know it's almost like we don't have enough people exactly oh, when you really when we hear that people. 
<laughs> it's almost like the swing should be an extra cast off stage. Right. Totally. But <laughs> it's never that. But the budget. It's like, it's, you know what I mean? The budget. Right. We never so, feel like we have enough either. Yeah. Right. So like it's, you know, I mean, I, this show, and Juliet, is, is great because so we have six ensemble female identifying tracks, six male ensemble identifying tracks. And then there are three swings on each side. Okay. But the cool thing about Anne Juliet is like the swings can mix because we, they've created it where like the swings are also our own player costume track. So yes, we're doing someone else's track, but you don't even have to know if that person's male or female Mm -hmm. or whatever. We can kind of like float around. And I still feel like we don't have enough people. <laughs> well, when you look at it like that, <laughs> yeah. then that means that's – wait, so that's six, six. people for 12 ensemble? Six. Right. Yes. So, like, if you Pending. think about it, that actually is plenty right. of It should be. It sounds right? like, like it is. Two, yeah. And, and we work – the Brits are very good at being – at doing, like, first, second, third cover. Oh. So everybody has priority tracks and normally – you will go on for those priority tracks first. So each of us, we have two priority tracks that we kind of learned first and then second, third. Whereas, I mean, Matilda, there were nine uh, like children and I don't even know how many adults there were, but there were maybe, there was like two swings for that. I feel like, and Juliet actually is one of the more well covered. Mm-hmm. That's great. And y'all are Shows, considered which, offstage swings is the terminology you would use? Yes, okay. we're considered offstage swings. Yes. So there is, um, in the Broadway world, there is something called an onstage swing where that person is their own track and they've made it so that that track can, should be able to be cut. Though I also have spoken to some friends where they're like, well, the onstage track still can't be cut <laughs> <laughs> and the swings are covering the onstage track, but right. more than likely you should be able to like work around if you have to lose that track to something else. But we are offstage swings. So that means that we come to the show Mm -hmm. and we sit backstage on standby, whether we are in the show or not. Got it. And you are So the ensemble is, is a set number of people and there are no other people except for the swings that can do their roles. Yes. Yes. So the way our union works too. So um, we're part of actress equity. There are also so many rules and regulations to it where if somebody is on stage and they're trying to cover, then that's a separate contract mm-hmm. that they would have to sign. Well, like a separate writer. Mm-hmm. So there's a base contract and then there are writers. But yeah, so my writer is specifically offstage swing as cast. And so the swings are pretty much the only ones that could kind of move around and do uh, and cover everyone contractually. Wow. Mm-hmm. it's there's so it's much crazy. jurisdiction and like so many more like layers to this than just oh i know this other part like you have to have yes. an actual yes. writer to your contract to say this person's allowed to go do that yes and mm-hmm. i think what's in like we kind of have heard like you know the those logistics of it but like let's dive even deeper into some of the requirements of what your expectation is to be a swing Like what comes to mind that stresses me out and something that's always uh, made me nervous? I don't think it's about the ography. I I can retain choreography pretty quickly. So yeah, I've got the choreography figured out. I think it's more about 
jumping into new formation and mm-hmm. traffic patterns, mm-hmm. knowing where I should, yeah, blocking and blocking. What we mean by blocking is essentially formations for everybody out there. What formation am I supposed to stand in? Which window am I in? How and do in I it, get there? Yes. How do I get there without running into someone who's <laughs> who's doing this every single or the day? Set piece and they, that's moving. Right, or the like curtain. there's just so many extra elements that I'm like very important. The curtain, <laughs> you ran into the curtain know. once. It was not good. Um, oh my god! Like, do I cross downstage of this oh person? No. Do I cross upstage of this person? Like that. It's it's those little tiny details that could truly make or break the performance. Or w- do I need to move a prop piece here? Do I do I not? Like, what about partnering? Did you have a chance, or did you just get thrown in? mid-performance and you didn't have a chance to partner with the person that you're about to partner with. Like, I think that it can get dangerous. It can absolutely get dangerous. And I think that that for me is something that's always been made me really nervous is remembering that. Not remember and like, yes, I'm sure and I'm sure both of you, whenever you've had to understudy or cover or swing, I'm sure you made notes and lots of videos and all of this. Like any I mean, how do y'all do it? Is there any tips you have that have been successful and helpful? Besides just putting it in your head, you know, relying just on your brain to remember everything. So I, when I first started, I had like color coordinated um, notes, but also I think I'm very fortunate because my first big swing contract was Billy Elliot. And one thing I can say about Billy Elliot is Billy Elliot was very organized when it came to traffic patterns and formations. Like they were so organized where stage left would always go down stage of stage right. So so I was able to learn a lot of the tricks and trade from Billy Elliot, where I was fortunate enough where the traffic patterns made sense. <laughs> That's nice. And then when it came to like creating new work, like for example, Mean Girls, it was like, all right, so we're going to change uh, formations here. Everybody just go. Oh, and then people would just go and they'd be like, it looks and great. that was your track so- <laughs> like, because you originated that, right? <laughs> that was your That's, you you decided it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, so like that was a very interesting experience for me because then it, it did bring on the extra layer of this person was all the way back here in this back corner. And then they decided to go downstage and loop upstage. Who are they? So Who is so. that person? Who, <laughs> right. You know, and then end up here. So that took a, another it took my swinging to another level and it took a little bit of time. So now I just have to remember like the track piece by piece. And I have also kind of figured out like the way I swing, I like process of eliminate. So I would look at mm. who was the most similar first oh. and then, and then pick apart the pieces and be like, all right, so if I'm in this track, I did that one yesterday and they're pretty similar. Mm, interesting. These bits and pieces. And so then now all I have to do is actually write down what the differences are. Oh, so wow. Like have a little flashcard so or something. Be, yes, like a flashcard of I've kind of learned to do it like that because if not, it, it takes like a lot of hours. Now, granted, I've now been doing this is my fourth like big, mm-hmm. big contract. So now I can even look at a piece and just like, just learn like it all because I've just been doing I've analyzed it and then I can work <laughs> backwards I've just done it so many different ways wow. but at first it was a lot of notes and it was a lot of really trial and error mm-hmm. as long as you're safe now Billy Elliot made sure that we were right. always safe yeah <laughs> but sometimes you just didn't get it and I would be like oh that that didn't really work but there's also a skill to swinging that I have learned that kind of takes the pressure off of 
it's like not always gonna be perfect Mm -hmm. and i have this thing where i say cancel and continue i'm a dance captain now so when i'm teaching people the show i'm like cancel and continue Mm -hmm. and the new swings because sometimes it really is just so much information and with day-to-day life and now you know we're in the run for like over a year now or coming up on our year mark where it's just so much and so many moving pieces that as long as you're safe and you didn't run into anybody then it's fine. And sometimes my brain has to be like, oh no, I forgot what this traffic pattern is, but let me just get out the way. And then you learn another skill of just like- (laughs) Making it work. Making it work. That has kind of helped. And with the cast and communicating with the cast, like I'm like, okay, this is a little rough for me. Everybody help me Mm -hmm. out. And they're like, we got you, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's kind of, we call it shove with love to where, yeah, but it is- just a lot of information and a lot of studying Yeah, when you first start swinging. Yeah. Francisco Gala Danceworks has created a summer dance intensive that helps bridge the gap between high school graduation and a dancer's future. Introducing Pre-Professional Dancer Institute. Pre-Professional Dancer Institute brings students in contact with dancers and artistic staff from the collegiate and professional dance world. This allows emerging dancers with professional aspirations to engage in open conversations about their career options and offers them the best avenues and strategies for pursuing their goals. Throughout the five-day intensive, dancers will receive training and exposure in a variety of different career paths they could choose as a professional, like concert dance, company work, live performance, Broadway, commercial dance, and more. The Pre-Professional Dancer Institute Intensive is taking place this August 29th through September 2nd, 2024 in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and is open to advanced level dancers ages 13 through 18 who have a desire to continue their dance career post-graduation. This selective program is only open to 100 dancers and is by audition only. Learn more about Francisco Gela Dance Works Pre-Professional Dancer Institute by visiting their website at preprodancerinstitute.com. And don't forget to use our podcast promo code at checkout to receive $75 off your registration. Use the code MAKINGTHEIMPACT in all caps at checkout. Don't miss out on this exciting opportunity to grow as an artist and prepare for your dance future with Francisco Gela Danceworks, our season five premiere sponsor. I was gonna say, I have a similar process I still like to take a lot of notes. Uh, there's one, I was really excited when you asked me about this episode, actually, because I had one experience where, I think this was, this was just last season, where we had this piece and it was not a full company piece, but it was a large group. And I was two different tracks and I was learning the tracks at the same oh. time. And they were two people that stand next to each <laughs> other and often do the same oh, no. things God. with minor differences. Oh, God. <laughs> So I also did like, I would take notes where I would draw out the formation and like make X's for the little people and then label which person am I and what's the initials Mm -hmm. for that, for the original Mm -hmm. person that that role was created on. So like, you know, today I'm Samantha, tomorrow I'm Megan, Mm -hmm. or later today I'm Megan, (laughs) right right now I'm Samantha, (laughs) whatever. But it was also complicated because one of the women that was next to me, I was learning this one girl and the girl who I was learning, she was learning the person oh, standing next man. to me. Jesus. So it's like three people standing next to each other and all of us down the line. Each role is between two of us. And like we would stand next to each other and look at each other. Am I you or you <laughs> me? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So and, and also like mid dance yeah. sometimes because mm. you would make it to a certain position or a certain formation where it's like okay I've reached this landmark right what's next right. and you just had to take it piece by piece because there was no way right. to like feel totally one hundred percent confident from the start of the dance. So you kind of just figure it out as yeah. you go and everybody helps each other. And... Well, and not to expect perfection because yeah. both of you kind of alluded to that. It's like, it's ne- it's probably never going to be perfect. And our job is to keep the show going and to not crash and burn. So like whatever we can do to just like keep it going. I, I love to hear that because I think as, you know, competitive dancers, there's a lot of perfectionism that comes into play. And there's a lot of, oh my God, if we don't do it perfect this one time, and at mm-hmm. least with professional work, you do get more opportunities. You get tomorrow. You get the next show to say, let me do this a little bit better this time. And so I think for kids, that's, that's important to hear that, like, you know, not even professional dancers and, and Broadway people are perfect all the time because you have scenarios like that where, who am I today? I don't remember, but I'm going to do this kickball mm-hmm. change and get over here and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you did mention some, like, you know, Britt, you mentioned, like, shove with love, which that term we use all the time in Broadway because when a swing goes on, mm-hmm. we all have to kind of collectively work together to yeah, help the swing. To support them, right? Everybody else is like, if you have a regular ensemble on stage track, you are, you know your show. Nothing changes. You get, you put your costume on, you go out, you do the same exact thing every single night. You kind of almost, I mean, you shouldn't go onto autopilot, let's be real. But like at the same time, sometimes you might go into autopilot. When a swing comes on, there's a new there's a new person on stage and it might be a di- it might feel like a different environment. And it's not just about you going in autopilot th- today. It's about let's help this swing get through the show. And you almost have to kind of put them first and help them if you because like their brain is on overdrive. They're just trying to get through it, especially if it's their first time going on and it's new to them. So I think the shove with love is uh, a perfect example of teamwork. And I think we find that very often in competitive dance. Um, You know, there's a lot of talk about being a soloist and it's all about being solos. Yay, yay, yay. There's like a trillion million solos at competition. I judge them. I watch them. Everyone has a solo. But are you able to dance with the team? Are you able to dance in a group? Are you able to understand what happens when you have to do a reblock last minute? How do we work as a team together? Are you going to remember what the reblock is and the, the change? Or if, if an understudy is going on, if studios even have understudies, which like mm-hmm. that is also very rare, right. like a lot. I mean, Randy, did did we grow? Did we have understudies? Did y'all did you like in the later years of the studio have understudies in anything at the studio? In the later years? Yes. And I think they're more so actually used now. But for me, there were times where people would understudy things and that kind of just meant like, we're just kind of lightly suggesting that you learn this just to keep busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't actually be like put into yeah. things. Yeah. But I think it is more real now. Yeah. There's, there are studios who are catching on. Like when I've gone and done guest work, there have been some studios that are like, so we have, you know, three people in the back learning as understudies just in case, you know, they'll, they'll jump in. And I was like, that's fantastic. Like, thank you for that. Because you never know. I, I can't tell you the amount of times that we've had to do a reblock like at competition in a hallway because someone got sick or injured and there's a hole in the formation. Like that's so much harder than just plopping somebody in there from day one, you know, as Mm -hmm. an opportunity, as a special thing to do, or just, you know, whatever, whatever way you can get somebody in the room. It's a lot easier, I think, to do that than to have everybody panic, you know, the day of or the day before. So, but speaking of rehearsals, I want to ask some questions about 
what it's like to rehearse as a swing or an understudy because mm. I feel as if it's a different world than uh, it would be if you were just a regular Joe. So, Brittany, mm-hmm. I guess let's speak more on like a Billy Elliot where it was a set thing that had already been going on as opposed to a Mean Girls where you were like almost helping create it. Yeah. So Billy Elliot, the rehearsal process was it was a lot as a swing, to be honest with you, because I think their expectation <laughs> of everyone was just so high. But it was, like I said, a gift to me that I got to swing that and that be my first um, swing job because it was already set in London. So basically all they did was take the entire thing, charts, they had Bible, everything, and then they plopped Mm -hmm. it over here. So everybody's track was already created. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of homework as far as, you know, I had to learn. I started out with three tracks, I think. So I was learning three tracks at once. But what was great about it was it was already set. The charts were already done. The dance Bible mm-hmm. was already made. So none of it changed. Right. So once I started to add tracks on, the show was just the show. Sounds lovely. <laughs> it was lovely. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> but I wanted to actually like piggyback real quick to the what Courtney was saying about working together. What was interesting about Billy Elliot, and I think it's it's great for like the the young dancers to hear, is a lot of the dancers in Billy Elliot were competition dancers. Mm-hmm. And I specifically remember going back to the way the tracks were made, right? They took Billy Elliot and they took it over here and they plopped it. So a lot of the competition dancers, of course, were people who were just used to winning. And then they got, they were part of this Broadway show where that track went to the back corner. It sat there. And that track went over here. (laughs) Yes. And it was such an experience because they were like, what do you mean I'm not in front? Wow. I'm not, what do you mean? But the way it worked is everybody had a chance to be in the mm. front. Everybody, you could see everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to a Broadway show, everyone could be seen. Right. Yeah. But the learning of the tracks in for the the competition dancers and the newbies was a very hard thing starting out. Oh, really? And they were the ones that had to teach us about teamwork. Right. They were like, mm. "It's not about you. Right. It's, it's about this whole group of people. It's about the show." Yeah. As a whole, we're going to all work together. You can be seen wherever you are. Um, and also, so that was you're a- getting paid. I have literally always said this. <laughs> right. Like, I want to be tree number yes. two and get the same paycheck Correct. and not do all those fletches. No, thank you. Me too. <laughs> right. No, I know. I'm like, ooh, put me, put me over here. I'm going to step touch just like, really energetically and right. get my paycheck. Right. Thank you. Uh-huh. Right. Um, <laughs> Little kids don't get it. They don't get it. But yeah, but we had to go through that because they were all, what, between the age of eight and 16. And they, so that was an experience. But then Mean Girls was a completely different experience because I was part of the out-of-town tryout of Mean Girls. So they had done a lab. They had created the show in this lab. But then when we took it out of town, we would do previews, which if you're not um, familiar with the preview, you do the show for an audience. And then the creative team takes notes on like what works, what doesn't. And then you come back the next day, you have five hours. And next thing you know, they're putting a new song in or a new scene in. And they're completely making new dance numbers. And so the people who are their normal tracks are learning that. And then the swings are learning. Are stressing out backstage. (laughs) All the multiple tracks and new pieces. So that was a, a... different level of like stress I think I've experienced but again it took a lot of teamwork because it was you know for me I'm like yes I'm learning these multiple tracks but also we're all learning new material Mm -hmm. 
That's true. So we all had to work together to be like, what is this vocal part? What's happening here? But it definitely was a new element to it because the show changed every preview, like every preview. And I actually surprisingly went on for all three of my first priority tracks in D.C. because injuries happened. Wow. And then so I was like part of the rehearsal creating the track and things like that. So that was a new experience when it comes to like creating an original show. And even with Anne Juliet, we did an out of town tryout. And yes, they brought the show over from London. But there are also a lot of changes with our show. So the added element of learning the multiple tracks along with new music and scenes and choreography is definitely like a very hard thing. It was a lot of homework. And when you say homework, you mean I went to rehearsal for eight hours and then I went home Uh for another two and a half and did homework and then tried to get some sleep without without that song in my head constantly and what vocal track was I? (laughs) Yes. Yes, because also, I mean, when you sign on as a swing, that first rehearsal, if somebody is out, they expect you to go in. Which is insane. Like, there is no, we're just going to wait until so. And now COVID has even threw in another layer to that because when we started rehearsals with Anne Juliet, you know, the COVID cases were there. And you would just show up the next day and they'd be like, so-and-so is out. They have to go home. And so it was a lot of, yeah, it was staying up long after the everybody else is at home, probably sleeping with their one track and just making sure that I knew the choreography, that I have at least enough notes, you know, where I can kind of get through it if I needed to. So yes, it was a lot of like time on my own, just working on harmonies, working on lines, choreography, blocking, the whole thing. I want to jump in really quick and then I would love to hear from Miranda because I'm sure that as you're listening, Miranda, you're probably like, wow, I've experienced exactly that in creating new work. (laughs) But I do want to just make a point uh, to all of our listeners out there. If you were listening to Brittany, she wasn't just talking about choreography when it comes to Broadway. You and we've talked about it on our musical theater episode before. And I'm sure if you've seen a Broadway show or a musical, dancers are dancing, but they're also singing. And sometimes they also have to use their voice and do a scene and have lines on stage, (laughs) which, again, might not be for everybody. There might be certain shows where your track, now that we know what that is, has no lines at all. Or your track might be in a scene where you have to learn this scene and learn how to read lines. So that is another element on top of just the choreography and the blocking and the traffic patterns and the prop moving that you have to add to being a swing, which is something that I didn't even know for the longest time. I assume that if if I'm a soprano, I'm always singing soprano if I'm a sing, a swing. And that is not true. You have to change your, your vocal lines that you're singing based on whose track you're in that night. If they if you are an alto and that's who you're going on for, you got that's what you gotta sing tonight. And you have to know what their harmonies are. Like that that blows my mind. Yeah. I know. Especially for, you know, if there are dancer dancers who are jumping into a swing position and singing is already a little tricky for them. That's a whole nother layer that's going to be extremely challenging to navigate because so many people have always been like, oh, Courtney, you'd be such a great swing because I'm like, people are like, you're a great dancer. You have a great, you have, you pick up fast. You have a smart brain. You could be a swing. I'm like, I don't know if I'd feel extremely confident to pull off all the vocal expectation. Uh, you you kind of have to be a triple threat to be a swing. And honestly, Brittany, that's why you've had such a great career as a swing, because you're such a great triple threat. Thank you. <laughs> all right, Miranda, <laughs> tell us all about your rehearsal journeys. <laughs> well, actually, 
piggybacking of, off of something you just said, you just mentioned confidence. I think this is a huge, it's a very intimidating thing because as a professional, as Britton was saying, as you were all saying, you are expected to be able to jump in, not just like kind of scraping by knowing the steps, but like, you know, you might be, and I have been thrown into performances, not really knowing what I'm doing, where I'm supposed to be. And you really have to fake it until you make it. But after doing that a couple of times, it definitely builds your confidence because you realize that there's this whole other, I kind of enjoy it because it, it turns on this other part of your brain that sometimes you don't realize is there. And like this whole other spark inside you that is just, it's like a little superpower that's yeah. hidden. And sometimes these scary situations force it to well, come out. I think out, it, it's magical. Like in cool. those moments where you are relying on other people, yourself, your own knowledge of something that's brand new. And when it happens, like that's magic. You know, yes, it's magical when everybody has been rehearsed. We know what we're doing. We've done the show 50 times. Everybody mm -hmm. is on point. Like that's that's a pretty cool thing too. But you're really going to get Right, that exactly. Anywhere. Like something's going to change. There's going to be one element that's going to be different. And then, you know, like you said, Miranda, when you have those three dancers who all know each other's parts and it happens one time, like that's got to be the mm -hmm. most like electrifying feeling when it happens right, you know? Yeah. And being <laughs> being properly rehearsed, I'm not sure about Broadway, if, if, you know, the ensemble knowing one track makes it any easier with that. But our rehearsal process is sometimes just absolutely insane because you're trying to learn multiple tracks that maybe stand next to each other the whole time with other people who are also learning multiple tracks. So you can't necessarily look mm -hmm. for certain mm -hmm. people in the room because they might right. be somebody else that day. <laughs> right. That sounds stressful. And then on top of that, you know, you're never doing the same show twice. And we might not touch that piece for another yeah, month or wow. two. And you better come back mm -hmm. knowing all of those tracks and be ready to go. Oh, my God. On, on whatever stage you happen to be at that week because you're on tour. <laughs> yes. Yes. In whatever time yeah. zone, what, you know. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'll I'll chime in really briefly because I I now that I think back, I guess I've swung more than I think I have. But I feel like that I haven't officially gained my like real swing credit until this past summer and our podcast listeners might remember that I announced that I was going back to the stage this summer and I performed in West Side Story at the Muni and that's a show that's been with me my entire career I know that show like the back of my hand I could do every single part of that show <laughs> boys do like I know theography but then I got to rehearsal and it was an original choreography mm. and that stressed me out <laughs> and I was I was getting and, and we only had a week rehearsal process so you know, that made me nervous. And then I've also never really been an offstage swing before because when I'd done the show before, I was the assistant dance captain, but we were all internal onstage swings. So every there was no such thing as an offstage swing in my production. So everyone kind of understudied each other. So one of the jet girls would turn into a shark girl and we'd just be down a jet girl if we, you know, a shark girl was out. Or if someone had to jump in to be Maria, then someone would jump into the sharks and maybe play double duty as a jet and a shark. Like, there was just always a way to figure it out internally. And I understudied different parts in that production. But this one was like, it was just, I think what made it hard and it's kind of similar to your, uh, I'm sure both of your experience of learning new material that was like constantly changing. I think that was what made it hard for me as a swing to like take all these notes. Okay, this person crosses downstage. 
And then we get back to the rehearsal the next day and it would completely shift around. Oh, let's start the whole thing on stage right. And oh, let's gosh. have a, the, mm-hmm. you actually, I want you over here. Enter over here instead. And I'm just like, I can't keep these notes straight. And something else that I want to quickly ask, because this is kind of a new thing for me, and I'm curious to hear how it works for um, the company world. And I'd also love to hear from you about this, Brittany. In all of my years, and this is important for our listeners to hear and dancers to hear, in all of my years working as a professional dancer, I have never been allowed to record and videotape anything in rehearsal until recently. I think this is slightly changing a little like bit. the last year, the last two years? Well, I haven't COVID really done much everything up. since then. <laughs> but my first West Side Story, it was the first show where I went. And I and again, I wasn't even sure. I went as a swing saying, hey, stage management, would it be okay if I filmed some footage at the end of rehearsal for my own personal use to be able to take some notes, make some charts, and study what I need to study for my tracks? And they said, yes, absolutely. But every other show that I've ever done, even for the swings, they weren't allowed to film anything because it is copyrighted choreography that they don't want to get out anywhere. And even when it comes to like getting getting the show material, like as a professional, it is very rare that we actually ever see ourselves perform in that show on video. They never give us the the production footage because, oh, it's it's intellectual property. It's copyright. It's copyright. You can't have this choreography. Yes. Oh, so I, is it different? How are you supposed in to your do world? your job? <laughs> yeah, is it different? Yeah, we use something called Media Silo, oh. where it's like a share. It's kind of like a video okay. thing where we have a whole library of all of the pieces, <gasps> and you can just go and watch them. But only sure, we access, have access yeah. and like passwords. Oh, and stuff. that's great. That's amazing. But we also need that because just because you're doing a certain piece doesn't mean that it's always that piece. Like they might, the artistic team might choose which version sure. of that piece or who they like doing that role and who they want you to, you know, copy oh, in yeah. some way. So you're not necessarily, there, there are no, you know, there is no Bible, oh. which we often are like, can yeah. you please just give <laughs> right, us something? Right. But um, because nothing's ever consistent, really, because there are so many versions of the but same so, thing. So like in, in your rehearsal, so you have this archive sort of, of rep that you have access mm-hmm. to watch. In your rehearsals, when you're learning, are you allowed to, to film in the moment? Or has that not been your experience? Usually, yes. I would say for the most part, the so we have on that archival site, we have footage from shows and they try to keep it, you know, rather or relatively updated to the more recent version so that everybody's on the same mm-hmm. track as as to which one we're doing. Makes sense. Or what choices have been made, what changes right. have been made. And then we also have rehearsal oh, footage. Okay. So every day, especially while well, that's mostly during our creation mm-hmm. process. Every day, the entire rehearsal is oh, that's filmed great. and posted. That's amazing. So also, if you miss work, right. you can watch this video. And that's being and done by the company itself? Like a stage manager or something? Yes. Yes, our stage manager, you know, sets up little yeah. GoPros oh, in the room. That's dreamy. That is like my dream. I can't believe – so Broadway doesn't do this, I'm guessing. Does Broadway do that? <laughs> we, we know better. Listen, <laughs> we know better. <laughs> So interesting enough, now. and Juliet did do that. Nice. But the stage managers had a drop box. Mm. But I think, like I said, I think COVID has kind of changed yeah. that mm-hmm. a little bit because it used to be you would hopefully get through the entire rehearsal process before a swing has to go mm. in, yeah. right? That was always the hope. 
COVID has now changed so many things that there were just so many swings that were going in day one and so many people having to miss work that they did do this Dropbox um, for us. But I will say what's interesting as a person who has learned without having to Mm -hmm. use a video, it is why my brain is so detailed Mm -hmm. because in Billy, we couldn't have a video. Matilda, I had access to one, but I was on the dance captain side. But I've learned by not having a video, which means that I am only able to use my brain to figure out what's going on. And I feel sometimes in the Broadway world, because of the video, a lot of people don't know the show. Mm -hmm. Like they know the show, but they don't quite understand the show, which to me is a little bit of a... They rely on the video to, yeah, it's a little bit of a crutch. They they rely on it too much because now, like I said, now that we've been going for a year, the video is set opening night, but we all know people start to be like, hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. <laughs> and then next thing you know, you're literally like, that person, what's happening here? <laughs> you know, things do kind of morph a little bit. And so me as a dance captain, that makes my job, that's why my job is so important because I have to try Maintain and it. Yep. go back to what it originally is. But if you don't, I think I think we kind of rely on the video a little too much now because, like I said, Broadway, it's supposed to be set. Yeah. <laughs> so the more that you understand it, to me, it's what makes swinging easier when you do start to do multiple tracks. And then I don't know about you, Miranda, but we get into cut show land where we don't have enough right. swings to cover a track. Ooh. So then I have to create the puzzle pieces of how the show works. But because the more the swings understand and we mm-hmm. know what set pieces have to go on, it makes it a little easier. So yeah, so I think there's like a pro and con. I'm still, I like that I didn't yeah. learn. I mean, I think <laughs> from it's a like video, with anything else, but... you have the lo- sort of analog way of doing it, which has worked perfectly well for everybody for all of time. And then all of a sudden you either you know, COVID made things happen because we just had to do something or somebody just said, okay, we have this technology, let's use it. Yeah. You know, I th- I think you're right. There's pros and cons. But I remember, and Brittany, you probably remember this too from Royal Caribbean, you know, the dance captain had the access to the video every week and it was yeah. their job to watch yeah. the video because they're on the stage, yeah. you know, most of the time they can't swing out. Right. So there, somebody has to be keeping track of, are we still, do we still look like the original product that we came here to do? And so I think Ooh, video is... We should have a dance captain episode. Oh, yeah. We got lots of friends that could do that, Listen, too. <laughs> that's like so interesting. The dan- It's the dance captain. I mean, swinging is a, is a thing in itself. But dance captain land Ooh. is like... <laughs> I can't well, Like you said, you, you have it to keep track of where the set pieces go and what set pieces get yes, cut. I like, jeez. <laughs> when I tell you the and Juliet, I can close my eyes and literally know what set pieces come on where, where the, the revolve rotates, what spike marks are where. I But it took yeah. a lot of studying. Like after hours studying, when I was in tech, I have an um, a iPad with Good Notes. If you yes. ever want to swing Dance Captain or anything, Good Notes is a great yes. app to I get. I used it this summer. Writing down everything. I don't know. I wouldn't Just have like been able to do it without it, I swear. Scribbling down. But also I feel responsible for people's sure. safety as well yeah. right so i'm like i at least have to understand enough to keep people safe right. if things start to happen or if and we've had it happen you know people get sick in between or in the middle of the number or something happens and it's like we got to get the set piece off or the set piece on so yeah it's crazy it is 
And that's truly mastery, too, of the show. And it it is interesting because like even even you just talking about the dance captain world, it's I will say that like when I was swinging this summer, I was not the dance captain or assistant dance captain. But there were so many times where I kept thinking I should have been not because I'm I'm the best. No, it was because I am learning so much different material and I have to analyze and study so much extra stuff than anyone else has to that I'm actually one step closer to knowing the, the entire show more than someone that's just studying their one track. And so you had an onstage dance. We had an onstage dance captain. Yeah, which Ah, was, mm -hmm. which is usually, you know, you think about it, it's like, it's possible. Absolutely, it's possible. But it also makes sense for the swing who is able to be offstage and observe the show being the dance captain so they can see what's going wrong, what's working, what's not maintaining it properly. So, but then when I hear you talk about it, I'm like, okay, so you already have to know all these roles as a swing and now you have to know the whole darn show as a dance captain like that that should be to me almost two separate people not the same person mm-hmm. <laughs> like completely and, and basically as a stage exactly manager. yeah yeah, yeah. And you were on mm-hmm. Brittany I'm sure you work directly with the stage manager often to figure out oh, yeah. the cut tracks and who's going on and things like that yep absolutely it's literally I mean in our show we have an extra layer to that if you haven't seen Andrew yet but we have a lot of we have two revolves that rotate and we also have not any spoilers, but there's some flying mm-hmm. happening. There's some pyro. So everybody has like a job the way our union works. It's like you got one person that does the pyro mm-hmm. button. You have one person that just does the revolve. So we have to all work together again for the safety of the cast. If that revolve fires late, me as a dance captain, I'm like, this is mm-hmm. late. <laughs> like, right. How do we fix it next time? Like we're all constantly in communication in the stage management office just trying to like make the show a happen with the creative vision that was set and b keep everyone safe you know that's the most important thing and making the show go off without a hitch like there i'm sure if you've ever seen shows often and honestly well how do they do it at in um concert dance? Do they announce when an understudy is on or does it do they not announce when an understudy is on? They do. And actually another perk of our contract, if they forget to announce that you're going in for something, you get paid like what? fifty dollars. <laughs> I'll okay. take fifty. Cute. That's a cute little bump. Yeah. Shoot, I don't That's think they funny. do. But of course, now that we have digital programs, uh, they're so on top of it. So it's hard right. to get that. <laughs> okay, so they have to announce, they don't like announce it over, over. Okay. Oh, okay. They do at the top yeah. of the show, yeah. So Miranda well, Quinn will be in yeah, for Revelations tonight in. Oh, yeah. got it. $50, not $50. Sometimes they, they do that. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I'm assuming there's a, there's, well, mm, is there a pay increase to go on in your understudy role in concert world? No. However, there are times when you might get thrown into a piece that you know, because either because you're an understudy or because you're in another cast. And so you end up going on stage. And if that puts you, I believe it's if you do more than three ballets in one show, you get extra pay. So sometimes that could, you know, put you over the limit. Or if you haven't had the if you're already past the number of days you're supposed to be working without a day off and you have to go in on this show that you were supposed to be off, that could result in pay, but it's not a given. So yeah, and just a is... couple of little spoilers for our uh, upcoming episode on pay rates in the professional world. Yeah. A couple of little teaser moments here with, with the money conversation. <laughs> and this is why we have unions, everybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
both of our guests are it within exactly. two different dance unions in the industry. And there's a lot of work that a lot of dancers will do. And we'll talk about this in our pay rates episode where there are it is non-union. And these types of protections that uh, that Brittany and Miranda talked about throughout might not exist in the non-union world. And uh, that's why they're in place. So you can get a little little pay bump here, a little pay bump there when you're supposed to. When you're getting worked, overworked mm-hmm. or working hard. <laughs> <laughs> and I know uh, Brittany for understudies in Broadway shows, they do get a pay bump if they go on. But you as a swing, you just get a higher weekly salary over the ensemble to be a swing. But you don't get paid extra if yes. you go on. Yes. So we have a built in fee in our extra swing rider, which to me, I'm like, it's still not enough. <laughs> like, you know, it's a start. But now, and then also, so and Juliet, there's a lot of featured parts. So along with the swing bump, I have featured part like pay that I get. And then of course, when you go on for an understudy, which is a principal, there is a, a pay bump for that. Great. Yeah. And, and yes. stay tuned. You'll hear more. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> we will talk weeks. all about that in, in our upcoming pay rates <laughs> episode that everyone's been dying to hear about. Dying. <laughs> Y'all, this was so informative. I learned so much hearing about your understudy cover swing journeys as professional dancers. And I think it's going to be extremely eye-opening for everyone listening. I'm sure people are probably going to walk away thinking, I still am like just so confused as to how people do this, (laughs) what is involved. I mean, there is just so much more to dance than just dancing when you become a professional. Not even just in the whole branding, marketing, getting the jobs, auditioning. Now you Mm -hmm. have the job. Look at all this extra extra stuff involved with the job. Yes, you're a great dancer. Yes, you got hired. Yes, you're getting paid. But now you have to understudy. You got to be ready to go on. You have to know which lines you're saying. Like, there's just so much more than than we think. And I just want to say that if you are ever able to see a show where the understudies are going on, uh, the the swings are going on, and you see it in your program, please make sure you give them extra shouts and praise at the end at the curtain call because they deserve it. They are the ones that are making the show stay afloat without a hitch. And I'm sure you probably won't even notice that the understudy or the swing is on. That's how good they are. And that's the point of it. (laughs) So shout out to our fabulous guests, Brittany and Miranda, for joining us. This was an awesome chat. And I feel like that we we might be like one of the first. I don't know. I have to do research. But like, I feel like there's not a lot of podcasts out there about like, being a swing, like, you know, a general chat about understudying dance. Yeah. I was honestly trying to look it up before and I couldn't find, I know, Brittany, you've been on other podcasts. I'm sure you've talked about that in your interviews, but like, I don't know if there's like a specific podcast about like, I'm a swing on Broadway. I'm an understudy in dance company. So here we are world. We gave it to you, dance world. Everyone should listen. And our guests, thank you so much. How we always have our guests lead us out is just with one final thought about the topic today. So you can talk to whoever you want to speak to out there in this beautiful dance world. It could be professional dancers who are interested in swinging. It could be current competitive dancers who are maybe looking at a professional career. It could be about, it could be to dance studios on what you should be doing to help prepare your dancers for this type of job. Whoever you'd like to speak to out there regarding swinging and understudying. I would say if you are a person that swinging interests you and you know that you pick up choreography quick and you love the challenge, just don't shy away from 
possibly like auditioning to be a swing. I know some, even though you might have all the skill sets, sometimes it is a little nerve wracking going into a process being like, can I do this? Can I not? But I just really encourage you to like take that skill set and realize how valuable it is and go for it. And if you're interested in swinging, say it, because a lot of times casting is like, great, like we found people that want to swing because it really is a magical thing when you do all the work and you go on stage and you go, wow, I did it. Like I get to bounce and I'm like, yay, (laughs) you know, it's really is a feeling that is so special. And I think it's great if you have the skill set to do it and you have the interest, just really lean into that. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like no matter what kind of environment you end up in, being a live performer, this is live art and things change and things happen all the time. And we all have to be prepared to, you know, keep the show running. But as we were saying, you know, it's, it is definitely scary and confusing in the moment, but oftentimes I think you'll surprise yourself by what you're capable of and how many things you're able to juggle at once. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode all about what it takes to be a swing and understudy in the dance world. Shout out to our special guests, Brittany and Miranda for joining us. Don't forget to follow them on social media. You can find Miranda at Miranda Ming 4 and Brittany at Britt and Nicholas. And don't forget, you can see our guests live in action on stage performing as professionals in the New York City area. You can currently see Brittany Nicholas performing as The Swing in Anne Juliet on Broadway and Miranda performing with the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. Don't forget to follow Making the Impact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts. If you want to hear even more about what it takes to be a swing on Broadway, we have an extra 20 minutes of bonus content that is going live to our Platinum Premium subscribers now. Want to tune in? Then join our Platinum Premium podcast subscription for only $5 a month. Subscribers receive free Making the Impact stickers, shoutouts live on the air, ad-free listening, and exclusive access to our Q&A episodes for members only. Join now at impactdanceadjudicators.com slash platinum premium, or click the link in our show notes. Coming up in the next few weeks, stay tuned for episodes on keeping dancers safe from harmful industry practices, our next studio spotlight episode, and pay rates for the professional dance world. We hope your dance season is going great. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Until then, keep dancing.